Welcome back to Autoimmune and You. I'm one of your hosts, Erica. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to be talking about just a little bit, uh, breaking down some of the misconceptions when it comes to healthy eating. And, you know, this is something that we work with our clients with to share some tips for healthy eating. It's something that is really important. And I think that not enough people realize how easy it actually is to eat healthier and how simple it can be. And that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money because honestly, neither of us have a lot of money and we eat very healthy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that when people think about eating healthier, the first thing they think about is organic foods and that you have to buy everything organic. And while, you know, I do think that it's important to support organic farming and to buy organic products as much as possible, it's definitely not necessary for every single thing that you buy. Reason being some foods have a lot more pesticides in them than others and organic food is essentially farmed without pesticides. So I wanted to first talk about fruits and vegetables that are okay to buy conventional. Conventional meaning not organic. This is the first super simple way to just kind of be more mindful about the products that you're buying at the store, specifically with plants, fruits, and vegetables. The EWG is the Environmental Working Group, and they put out a list. I think it's every year, but it might be every couple of years of these two lists. There's one called the Clean 15, and there's one called the Dirty Dozen. And essentially, the Dirty Dozen are fruits and vegetables that have highest amounts of pesticides. And those are ones that you want to make sure that you're buying organic whenever possible. Now, obviously, you know, if you can't find them organic, there's always nutrients in whatever fruits and vegetables you're getting. So don't be alarmed. Don't, you know, stray away from getting it whatsoever if you feel like it's something that you really need in your diet. But these are just foods to be more mindful of. So I wanted to quickly read off these lists. So for the Dirty Dozen list, this is from 2020. What they do is they test a bunch of different crops of each of these plants and they see which ones have the highest amount of pesticides. So for 2020, the list was strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, and potatoes. So those are ones that you want to make sure that you are primarily buying organic whenever possible. And then there's also a clean 15 food list, which I think is really nice that they release this. These are foods that have the lowest amount of pesticides in them. So these are foods that if you can't find them organic, it's totally fine to buy conventional. Um, This list is, it starts with avocado and then there's sweet corn, pineapple, onion, papaya, frozen sweet peas, eggplant, asparagus, cauliflower, cantaloupes, broccoli, mushrooms, cabbage, honeydew melon, and kiwi. It's totally fine if you can't always find foods that are organic. And always keep in mind that if you are buying foods that are not organic, you're making sure that you're washing, especially those fruits and vegetables um, Mm -hmm. that have a thinner skin where you're eating the skin. But also something that I didn't actually start doing until recently was washing foods that have thicker skins that you don't eat the skins necessarily like avocados or, you know, oranges, things like that. My mom actually brought this up to me. She was like, well, why wouldn't you wash them? Like your knife is going through that skin and Mm -hmm. piercing the part that you are eating. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, has all this stuff on it. So once she pointed that out to me, I was like, oh yeah, I should probably Mm -hmm. start washing everything. So just something to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. And I think that's uh, super important and useful for people to have because 
a lot of people just assume like, including myself, when I first started out on my health journey, I went all in. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to buy like a hundred percent organic. Like I was super scared of like anything, like any pesticide residue or anything on my fruits and vegetables, even though I was still washing them, I was still scared. And we were spending so much money on organic fruits and vegetables. And after five years on my health journey, I realized, yeah, there are foods that I definitely do need to buy organic. And there are definitely foods that it's okay. I can buy the non-organic conventional produce and feel okay knowing that if I just wash them properly, that I'm going to be okay. And it's not going to be totally detrimental to my health because at the end of the day, they're still fruits and vegetables, and they still have antioxidants and phytonutrients and all the things that our body needs. So I think that's a big thing to point out because a lot of people do get really freaked out and they think they have to buy this hundred percent organic. If you're juicing celery, so I juice celery for four years straight every single day. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I was uh, juicing in the beginning, I didn't know that you had to buy organic celery. So in the beginning, I was juicing non-organic celery. And then I read something somewhere and it was like celery was at the top of the list. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it only had been like three months since I was doing it. So it's not like the craziest thing, but still I didn't know about it. And then when I found out about it, you know, I was like, okay, I need to buy organic celery and actually, um, stopped juicing over this last year because I got really sick from a green juice side note. And so now every time I see it, I literally, I'm so sad because like I got, but just a really quick side note, side note, I got violently like ill from having a juice from nectar and it was like a celery juice with like kale and stuff anyways. So I haven't had my green juice in a year, but Rachel always inspires me to get back to my celery (laughs) juice. I just got to like mentally get myself there. Um, But anyways, that was one thing that I realized like, okay, Erica, I need to spend money on this. This organic celery because the green juice in the morning, specifically just celery juice was making me feel uh, really good. So I do still juice celery every day and I've been doing it since like late March of last year. And so it'll be almost a year. I have never felt better. And that's something that I do spend quite a bit of money on, not a crazy amount, but it's about like 20 to $25 a week that I spend on it. But that's because I know that it makes me feel so good. And because I purposely buy the organic celery, because I know that it is higher in pesticides. And so it's just all about Mm -hmm. being mindful and kind of compromising wherever possible, because I don't buy everything organic. I do buy as much as possible, but if something on that clean 15 list is like really expensive for the organic version and I just can't afford it, then I'm going to go for the conventional. Mm -hmm. And I want to make it clear that of course, whenever you can buy organic, it is important. But what we're saying is that it's not like the end all be all. It's not like you shouldn't get it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that a lot of times when I'm buying my celery, I am making sure that I'm buying it from more local shops. Yeah. Because something that someone brought up to me recently that I don't know how I never thought of this is the transfer of energy between when the plant is being grown in the ground to when it gets to your grocery store. Yeah. And when you're getting groceries at these big chain markets, a lot of times it's gone through a lot more different sets of hands of humans and processes. And it has such a different energy to it. And I know you can think that sounds 
I don't know, a little hippie, a little woo-woo, but it's really not <laughs> if you think about it because energy is everywhere. Energy is mm-hmm. in every living thing. You can't deny that. That's like mm-hmm. a fact. Yeah, It's a scientific fact. And think about when something is growing in the ground, it has this beautiful energy flowing through it from the earth and it's mm-hmm. creating this energy within this plant. Mm-hmm. And then- when it's getting picked from whoever's picking it, then it's getting put in, you know, a basket and then sorted by another person. And then it mm-hmm. just goes and goes and goes in these big grocery stores. Like I said, it's going through so many hands. And so if you have access to farmer's markets or there are some like stores that are farmer's market-esque, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And those are a lot better to buy produce at whenever possible. And also supporting local side note is always important because yeah. you want to keep yeah. sustaining the economy around you, right? And like helping small businesses. Yeah. I mean, that's to me like one of the other reasons why I try to, you know, make it a routine to go to the farmer's market here uh, in my town on Sunday. But yeah, it is that energy. And I think like that is an important thing to discuss because you know we've all become so disconnected from our food and we forget mm-hmm. like fruits and vegetables they grow like they literally have some type of life <laughs> to them mm-hmm. in some sense and like when you're buying a lot of fruits and vegetables from a grocery store even the soil in which these fruits and vegetables have been grown from are depleted and when you buy from like a local farm that's not producing on a mass scale I'm sure the soil is a lot better so you're probably going to even get more nutrients in these fruits and vegetables and so yeah going to a farmer's market is like something that I always uh, suggest to clients and tell my friends like hey like buy like local if you can Mm -hmm. you know what I mean And sometimes, yeah, the prices may be a little bit more, but think about all the other aspects that you're contributing to. Like she said, Mm -hmm. like uh, supporting a a local business, you know, you're getting more nutrients in your vegetables. And even when it came down to celery, so most of the time I was buying celery uh, when I was juicing from my local farmer's market and the celery there was so huge and (laughs) so big compared to the celery that I would get at the store. Like it was like super like, uh, like vibrant. It was super vibrant. And this is how I like to see my fruits and vegetables. I like to see my fruits and vegetables with dirt on them. I want to feel like, you know, they're fresh from the earth, right? Mm -hmm. When you go buy uh, stuff from the grocery store, it's unbelievably clean, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, which is interesting. So I've been in the checkout line a few times where I've had people want to return something because there was literally dirt on their lettuce. Yeah. (gasps) She's like, ah, can I return this? There's a dirt. And I found like a lady and I found a ladybug. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, no, that just goes to show you how disconnected we've become from our food that we literally forget that it grows from the earth and that require, requires like soil. And so, uh, yeah, that just totally uh, tripped me out. And I was just thinking like people really need to get connected back to their food. And I think going to something like a farmer's market is a whole experience. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. Like it's like a ritual. Like I bring my, you know, my basket or whatever and putting all my fruits and vegetables in, you know, you get to look at the food and see how vibrant it is and see the variety. And then, oh, that like this fruit is in season and it's like so much more delicious. Oh, 
I'm just like That's thinking about, that I'm like salvating. <laughs> right? Thinking about like peaches at the farmer's market. I'm like, oh my uh, God, that sounds so good. <laughs> I know it really does. That's exactly what I was going to say. It all tastes so much better. It truly mm-hmm. does. They're just like you were saying about celery being so much more vibrant when it's at the farmer's market. It still has that energy like flowing yep. through it, even though it's yep. picked from the earth because it hasn't gone through this process of like depleting the energy mm-hmm. and some of the nutrients from it too. And also- when you're getting um, produce at the grocery store, which I'm not knocking anyone that has yeah. to get it at the grocery yeah. store. Let's make that mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. But when you're buying fruits and vegetables from a store that has more of that farmer's market kind of concept where it's more fresh, then mm-hmm. it is preserving more nutrients because there's less time between when it's getting picked from the earth and yep. when it's coming to your grocery basket or your bag if you're at a farmer's market. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And yeah, they just really do taste so much better. And you also touched on another important part, Erica, which is buying seasonally because Mm -hmm. I mean, berries should not be available year round. They're not grown year round. Typically they aren't supposed to be. (laughs) And they're terrible. My gosh. I literally have stopped buying like, I mean, I'll buy blueberries, but mostly uh, I buy them frozen, Mm -hmm. uh, like organic frozen blueberries, because I feel like blueberries and especially strawberries are so like, okay, when you, I remember as a kid, when I would bite into a strawberry, it would be vibrant red. Mm -hmm. Okay. Inside, not just the outside. Okay. Now when you open up or you cut open like a a strawberry, it's like pale. It's Mm -hmm. like white inside. Okay. When I was a kid, when I would cut strawberries, the juice would run all over. Mm -hmm. It'd be like dark, rich, like red, and it it would have that like sweetness. And now it's just like, it looks really pretty on the outside. And then you open it up and it's like, what the heck? It's like white. There's no flavor to it. And it's just so disappointing almost every time I go and get um, strawberries. So Yeah, there's just some things where it's just like, I don't even bother now because I'm just like, this is so sad. I'm like, I'd rather wait once a year to get these berries at the farmer's market than to try to like eat them all year round and just not be like satisfied, you know? Yeah. As humans, we're meant to eat seasonally. Like think about back, you know, caveman days. They weren't, they didn't have berries all year round. They didn't have, (laughs) I don't know, like peaches all year round. These things Mm -hmm. were not available all the time and we're meant to eat seasonally. So going to your local farmer's market is a really good way to find out what's seasonal. And then from there, you'll have a better idea when you're going to the grocery store of what is going to be more seasonal. So what you're going to see berries at the grocery store all year round, but you'll know during winter, probably not seasonal. Let's focus on the things that are because inherently those things are going to have more nutrients for your body to glean from it. So I went to uh, Costa Rica a few years ago to work on um, an animal sanctuary, which they also, it was a farm and they uh, grew fruits and vegetables there and it was all vegan and everyone had to eat vegan there. And basically you're eating straight from the earth, nothing packaged whatsoever. Like we were making corn tortillas from scratch and like all this stuff. While I was there, it was amazing. Like we were literally eating a papaya every single morning with our breakfast, bananas picked from the tree. (laughs) So freaking good. It was so unbelievably good. And we had like turmeric growing, like ginger, stuff like that. And so when I was in Costa Rica and going to the, the farmer's markets, like it was even that was even different from the farmer's market that we get here in the U S because 
oh my God, like you can just tell like the way they treat, you know, their soil and all that stuff there is just completely different than how we do it here. But the thing is, is when I got home, I tried to eat a papaya because I wasn't even (laughs) eating papaya before I went to Costa Rica. And so when I tried to eat the papaya here, I was like, oh my gosh, this papaya is nothing like even though it's coming from these areas, right? Like they're actually like papaya, bananas and stuff like that. They're actually coming from Central America, which is where Costa Rica is. And so I'm like, what the heck? Why doesn't it taste the same? And it's because they cut the bananas and all that stuff too early off of the tree. So that way it can ship all the way across the Mm -hmm. world and it doesn't go through the natural uh, process. And so I was just so like disappointed when I got back, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I fell in love with papaya and I still have yet to uh, find a papaya that actually, you know, adds up to that. But the point is here, it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be like pessimistic about our our whole food system. It's just the things that we can be in control of, you know, which is trying to eat the things that are in season, trying to eat locally. Those are the things that are actually going to have a huge impact on our health. Yeah. When I went to Bali, I had the same exact thing. I fell in love with papaya. I never liked it before. And then I had it for like every meal there. I feel like, Mm -hmm. or not every meal. I had it for every breakfast there. And I came here and tried to replicate the fruit salads that I would get there. And it's just not the same. And that's a really good point that they cut things too early, not just fruits, but vegetables as well, so that they can ripen as they go. But that's also, if you really think about it, it's like taking a plant baby from its mom too early. It's not getting all the nutrients that it needs. And by cutting it off early, you are not ingesting as many nutrients and it's ripening on its own without being connected to the earth still. So on top of being more nutrient dense, it's actually more cost efficient to buy whole fruits and vegetables and grains and beans and uh, nuts and things like that. Because I, when I was eating a paleo diet, my first year of my diagnosis, uh, when my naturopathic, my first naturopathic doctor had put me on this diet and I was coming from the standard American diet. My husband and I were buying steaks, you know, grass fed organic steaks at our grocery store. And we were spending about $20 uh, for just two pieces of small, two small pieces of steak. And then we were buying like, you know, a whole organic chicken because that was also when we were doing bone broth and all that stuff. And it was really expensive, like for like one week of a whole week between him and I, it was about almost $200 because, you know, we were also eating ghee and like uh, lard, like organic lard and all this stuff that the paleo diet highly recommends. And so we were spending a lot, a lot of money. And now after being vegan, you know, whole food plant-based for four years now, our grocery bills have significantly cut down because, you know, it's like we can buy things like grains and beans and nuts Mm -hmm. uh, in bulk. And when you buy in bulk, that's actually super cheap. It Mm -hmm. really, really is cheap compared to buying, like I said, like grass-fed steak and chicken and bacon and whatever else there is to buy that's, you know, has these labels, Mm -hmm. but it's still significantly cheaper. And so if you are buying in bulk, that's also a really good way to save money. Mm -hmm. And you can make large quantities of food that will give you tons of like meals for the whole week. So 
like for instance, I buy like black beans, pinto beans, red beans or whatever type of bean. I cook it and then we keep that in the fridge or I put maybe half of it in the freezer. But you can use those beans throughout the whole week, yes. <laughs> you know, and you can add it to like make a chili. You can make tostadas. You can just have a side of beans just on the side or however you want to do it. But it's also more cost efficient to do it that way. Definitely. I do the same exact thing whenever I'm making rice or even like brown rice pasta or beans or quinoa, I always make extra and I leave it in my fridge. And by doing that, you can, like Erica said, make it very versatile. So for quinoa, for instance, you can use that for so many different things. I put it by itself. I put it, I make kind of like a fried rice out of it. I put it Mm -hmm. in soup. You can make quinoa cakes, like kind of like a burger out of it. You can do Mm -hmm. so many different things when you keep things in bulk and make extra. Mm -hmm. So something that Erica said before we started recording was cook once, eat twice. And I love that. That's such an easy way to remember. Just always make a little bit of extra and leave it plain. So Mm -hmm. if you're making, like Erica said, tostadas, for instance, maybe keep some of those beans on the side plain instead of throwing it into whatever you're making. That way you can make it into something else. It doesn't have to be the same thing every single time that you use the leftovers. And also when you're buying something like beans or rice, make sure that you're not just looking at the front of packaging, you're looking at the back as well. So with beans or rice, it should literally be the beans, right? It should be, also it should be a clear bag where you can see what's inside because I guarantee you the ones that don't have a clear bag, 90% of the time probably have other things in there. If it's like just microwave or something like that, I guarantee you it has something else in it that makes it so that you can do that. Oh yeah, it's got to have like safflower oil and like, you know, other ingredients that when you just, when you cook beans, it's like beans are so simple. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can just cook it in water and a little bit of salt and maybe like a little bit of garlic or onion if you want to get fancy, (laughs) but (laughs) it's really, really simple to make these uh, different types of beans and different types of grains and having them made at the beginning of the week and just being able to throw them into a quick meal or Buddha bowls, right? You can just mm, throw favorite. some beans. Yeah, throw some beans in there, throw some quinoa, like add some avocado, add some cauliflower, and like maybe a sauce that you've made, you know? Mm-hmm. So delicious. <laughs> So good. Oh my gosh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's almost lunchtime for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just keeping in mind that don't don't rely on the front of packaging. The front of packaging is always going to be deceiving. I guarantee you, if you look at the back, you're going to be surprised at what's actually in your food. The amount mm-hmm. of foods that have hidden dairy and gluten and oils oh, yeah. and fillers and preservatives in them is insane. I mean, I was at the grocery store the other day and I was just trying to buy dried fruit and you would think dried fruit is dried fruit and they all look very similar. Mm-hmm. And I turned the package over and one of them that I was actually about to buy had preservatives and colors and sugar. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Like yeah. it lo- on the front, it just says soft and juicy mangoes. And then you look on the back and you're like, wait a second. Yep. So always don't even pay attention to the front. Find what you want and go immediately to the back of the label to see the ingredients. Well, this is this is the thing that we talked about too before we were about to jump on is that we get so quick to assume that something's healthy because we've read that it says vegan or mm-hmm. gluten-free or keto approved or whatever, you know, labels are out there nowadays. But that's actually just a way to deceive the consumer and to trick them into thinking that they're making healthy choices for themselves. So the best way to know if something is healthy is if you actually 
read through each of the ingredients. And I know that sounds very daunting. It sounds like, oh, I don't got time to like read through all these ingredients. But once you start doing it, it's such an easy process. Mm -hmm. Like to me, like, you know, and for Rachel and I, it's second nature, you Mm -hmm. know, like before I put anything in my cart, I Mm -hmm. always turn it over, read through the ingredients, because even though it has these labels of like, because I'm vegan, if I see vegan thing, I'm like, okay, that's the first initial thing to go, okay, I can actually now look at the ingredients because I know Mm -hmm. it's actually something I can eat. And then when I look at the ingredients, if it says like corn syrup and natural flavors Mm -hmm. and, you know, red number 40 or whatever these (laughs) color colorings are, I'm like junk. And I automatically just don't even, I won't put it in my cart. I'm like, this is like science food. (laughs) This is like, (laughs) it's not, you know what I mean? You know, exactly. Like it's so bizarre. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like filling up 90% of our grocery stores nowadays. Mm -hmm. If you really compare the produce aisle to the package and processed food, uh, in frozen stuff, the ratio is com- completely way off. Um, and it's because these companies have find- found ways to trick the consumer into thinking mm-hmm. they're making healthier choices for themselves. So priority number one is to read the ingredients, make sure that you feel comfortable with it. So for me personally, like I said, if I see something like corn syrup or uh, canola oil or Mm. things like that. Those things to me are like, ew, like I don't want that in my Mm -hmm. body. If I'm really craving something, I'll go and I'll look through the other cookies and say, okay, what has ingredients that are acceptable for me? Yes. And so everyone's going to feel differently about it. And so if I see like, oh, they use coconut oil instead of canola oil, or they're using beets as a color Mm. instead of like red number, I don't know the number. I think it's red number 40. I'm not entirely sure on that. But to me, those are things that are more acceptable and I'm willing to like put that into my body. You know, it's not like I'm going to do it every single day, but like if I'm really in that mood, you know, I try to make the best decisions that I possibly can. Yeah. There's always ways to compromise and find out, um, other products that are probably similar and similar in flavor, but not quite as bad for your body. And Mm -hmm. another point is if you really, really, let's say, let's go along the cookie line (laughs) because we both just love cookies and talk about them all the time. (laughs) Um, If you really want cookies and you can't find a product that you are okay with ingesting, make your own. Be like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, instead I'm going to buy some whole products such as my personal cookie recipe that will be, Mm. well, plug in my next cookbook, Mm. um, have almond butter and pure maple syrup and things like that, that are actual like whole ingredients versus Mm. these cookies that have, like Erica said, dyes and preservatives and oils that just don't need to be in our food. We just don't need to be ingesting those. That being said, sometimes we eat stuff like that too. Yeah. That's not us being like, we're holy. We never eat this stuff. (laughs) No, no, no. But it's all about that compromise and we are at least mindful that we're doing it. We're not just blindly putting these things into our body and we're being mindful of how often we do it as well. Well, I think you brought up a good point. If you can't find something that you really want and you're craving it, right? Like let's stick with the cookies. (laughs) Say (laughs) say you can't find the cookies that, you know, have ingredients that you feel okay with putting into your body. That's when you go online. There's a gazillion recipes out there that have, Mm. you know, whole plant ingredients that you can use that are still going to give you the satisfaction of the cookie. Maybe that's on the shelf, but you're also going to feel better about yourself for making that choice for yourself. And so, 
yeah, use it as a, a learning opportunity to find out how to bake, get creative, get your family together, make some cookies together. Like even if it's like, you know, it doesn't come out perfectly. Like this is all part of the process. When you embark on this healing journey, like you don't start off knowing everything. And let me tell you this one, the first meal when my husband and I decided, okay, we're going to be entirely plant-based, literally no more animal products in our diet. Mm -hmm. One of the first meals that we made, and my husband Garrett, we always laugh at that moment of when I made the first meal because it was brown rice, potatoes, and steamed carrots. Literally, <laughs> that was our, that was our first meal. And like maybe we seasoned it with salt and pepper. And I think even at that time, I was like so afraid of salt, you know. Wow. And even though we were like using like sea salt, yeah, the meal was so basic. And I was like, oh gosh, like we're both looking at each other and we're thinking, like, is this gonna be like the whole? Is this how it's gonna <laughs> be to be plant based? Because this sucks right now. And so, but you know what? We kept sticking to it. I kept experimenting. I would go online, find like YouTubers that made like plant-based recipes that looked really delicious. I would find blogs and stuff. Just everything that you possibly can find at the fingertips, you know, of the internet nowadays, it makes it so much more easier. And so flash forward to today, like I have my own recipes that I make. Mm. I feel like my food's dialed in. Like when I eat food that's made from home, I feel so much better about one that I've made it myself Two, I've connected to my food. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, and that's different than when you go buy a really expensive plant based meal, like at a restaurant, it's like, Oh, that was good. But then at the same time, I'm like, Oh, I could have made that at home for like $5 compared to this like $30 that's meal. Every I just time. Yeah. 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 And also going back to the fact that you don't know what's actually in there. They could be using cheese that has a bunch of artificial ingredients in it and is vegan, or yeah. you could find a cheese on your own that doesn't like I have this favorite brand of cheese that has, it's literally just made out of like cashews and coconut oil and sea salt. It's super simple. Mm -hmm. And yep. A lot of vegan cheeses out there have a lot of crap oh. in them. And so when you are going to restaurants like that, you also don't know what you're putting in and you're paying a lot more. And so it kind of, it sums everything up. Like we were talking about, it doesn't have to be expensive and you don't have to eat crap. And I think a really important thing here to remember is that, well, at least for myself is thinking back to, you know, when I first started on this plant-based diet, I, I didn't even try any vegan cheese for like, three years, like really over the last year, did I try a vegan cheese? Because mm -hmm. like, to me, vegan cheese just look like this processed, oily, mm -hmm. gooey thing that, you know, I was like, okay, well, I've cut out dairy from my diet already at that point for a year before I went plant-based. And so like, I was already disconnected from that greasy, gooey, mm -hmm. um, you know, cheese, like real cheese. And so when I ate Finally, when I first tried vegan cheese, I was like totally grossed out because I had been making my own nut cheese with cashews. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I feel like vegan cheeses are just not necessary. And a lot of like vegan substitutes like that, vegan meats and vegan, I don't know, eggs and stuff like that, they have their place and they're good sometimes. But overall, that's not something to rely on. And they're also super expensive. 
Oh, yes. They're, they, they can be super expensive. And like the thing is, if you want to be healthy, like you want to stick to the whole foods, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this is where the other misconception comes from when it comes to like, oh, it's expensive to be vegan. These vegan brands can tend to be expensive because they're less in demand, right? Like, mm-hmm. so the reason why eggs and all these things are cheap is because they produce them on such a mass scale. Mm-hmm. And the conditions that these animals are forced to live in are terrible in these factory farms. And so basically, you know, that's you're paying for what you get, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but also on the other side, when you're buying like super processed vegan food, that's not health promoting. So it's, it's better to just stick to the whole, you know, whole foods and make your own cheeses. And they're super, super delicious. Like nut cheeses are literally mm-hmm. my life. Anytime I go to a, you know, a vegan restaurant, I always try to get something that has like their own homemade nut cheese versus like for me, something like Daya or whatever is just, Mm -mm. it's just too much for me. (laughs) Yeah. And like Erica said, don't be afraid to experiment and have fun with it. If you don't like a, a food, try making it a different way next time. Try adding different types of spices or different types of um, oil or different types of vinegars and making sure that you're always being mindful of those healthier choices. So for instance, for oils, um, using more extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, things high in omega threes versus just a processed canola oil, vegetable oil, safflower oil, etc. <laughs> and so, even when it comes to like buying olive oil and things like at the grocery store, like you have to be try to find like a really good company because mm-hmm. the thing is these these oil companies have been so like saturated that they use, they actually, they're allowed to call it a certain type of oil Mm -hmm. and mix in other types of oils as a feeler. So it's just like, you just never know. So the thing is, it's always really best to just get down to as much as a whole food diet as you possibly can with the, you know, the least minimal ingredients. But we understand like, you know, I use oil, I use you know, extra virgin olive oil in my home after like years of not using it. But I felt like, okay, I need a little bit of extra fat in my diet. And it does bring flavor (laughs) that you can't deny. But I just, you know, I'm just not a big believer in like just drench everything in oil just because it's like, it's called healthy or whatever. Yeah, Um, of course. And don't be afraid to use a lot of different types of spices. Like spices and herbs, especially fresh herbs. There is something Mm. to be said. And I feel like I honestly didn't start cooking with super fresh herbs until too late on, like in the past few years, because they add so much more flavor. Even if you're just putting it on top of something, it adds such vibrance and such flavor Mm -hmm. to your dish. Don't just rely on those dried spices. Add some fresh herbs and fresh greens onto your food and you will be amazed. Yeah. And not, and not only do they taste good, I mean, they're like, they're good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, herbs have so many, um, beneficial like, uh, properties to them that, you know, that's another reason to add these types of things to your food. So these are just some of our tips and what we've kind of learned over the years through our own health journeys. Hopefully this helps you to get a better understanding of how you can, incorporate more fruits and vegetables into your daily routines, into your diet, um, into your lifestyle without breaking the bank, without being overwhelmed by it. And 
yeah, we hope that this helps you. So this is, you know, this is just a small portion of the things that have been useful for us, but obviously there's like so many more things that we could talk about, but you know, the, the podcast, this, (laughs) this would be end up being like two hours long plus if we were to continue on with it, but we definitely want to continue to share more of this and, you know, perhaps do like a little sequel to this because there is a lot more more to be said and it is very important and we want to give you guys uh, useful information so we got a question from a listener that actually goes along really nicely with this topic and romeo asked if there are key foods that really benefit arthritis and he mentioned that celery juice has had huge benefits for him so i agree with that celery juice um having mm-hmm. huge benefits but as far as foods that you can actually eat and kind of incorporate more into your diet throughout your day Um, Erica, you had a couple of really good ones that you mentioned. Yeah, I think uh, adding in, uh, making sure you're getting at least two tablespoons of either chia seeds, flax seeds, or hemp seeds, because those are high in Mm omega-3. And so those are super important because they are anti-inflammatory. They're, you know, high in fiber. And so they're going to help with digestion on Mm -hmm. top of that. And so not only just the omega-3s, but you can also get them from dark leafy greens. Mm -hmm. And so having, you know, adding those into smoothies or like, you know, sneaking them into like some of your favorite meals. For me, like if I have chili or something, like adding my chili beans on top of like maybe some like baked or steamed kale or just Mm -hmm. any way to like add them into your diet is going to be health promoting and anti-inflammatory. So when we say dark leafy greens, what we're talking about is things that are exactly that. They're leafy. So things like romaine lettuce and spinach and um, mustard greens and collard greens and kale, really any type of greens Mm -hmm. that you can see are going to be really good for your, um, to build omega-3s in your gut, which are important for fighting free radicals in the body. And that's a whole other (laughs) topic, but really important for anti-inflammation. So that's all we have for today, but thank you guys for joining us. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to remind you guys that we are not medical professionals, nor do we give medical advice. So please do not stop taking any medications without consulting your doctor. However, if you'd like to learn more about holistic ways to manage your autoimmune symptoms, we each offer private coaching services and would love to help you. Stay tuned for our next episode. In the meantime, let's connect on Instagram. We are at autoimmune and you, and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to follow each of our personal accounts, we would love that too. You can find our Instagram handles and our websites in the show notes. We'll chat next time. And always remember, you are more powerful than you think. God, we're ki- oh, <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> what is with... Okay. Okay. Oh, God bless us. <laughs> this is going to be a disaster to edit.